Bible, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're starting a new series today. It's the theme for our church this year, and the theme is Soldiers of the Cross. Soldiers of the Cross. Did you know that the moment that a person places his or her faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation? That person is born again, and that person is placed in the Lord's army. Now, when our kids were little, we had uh, videos that we would play them, and one of the videos that they listened to a lot had uh, Bible songs, kids' Bible songs on it. And one of the songs, this was either in the house or in the car, but one of the songs was, uh, you know, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, and so they learned that. And then they learned about the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never zoom. Remember you did all those uh, hand motions we did with our kids? Zoom or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. You say, is that really true? Is that really biblical? Does the Bible really say that we're in the Lord's army? I mean, we have those songs, Onward Christian Soldiers. We have those songs, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, Ye Soldiers of the Cross. But does the Bible really teach that? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, Paul would use that, uh, that metaphor and that, uh, that terminology. He called Epaphroditus in the book of Philippians, my fellow soldier in the ministry, He called Archippus in the book of Philemon, my fellow soldier in the ministry. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says to Timothy, his son in the faith, the last letter he ever penned, writing this from prison in Rome, he says to him, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Every Christian is in the Lord's army. Every Christian is a soldier. That's not the question. The question is this, are you a good soldier? You know, the sad reality is uh, lots of soldiers in the Christian life have gone AWOL, absent without leave. They've left the battle line. They say, this is too hot, this is too intense, I'm out, and they leave. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me. This is Paul's last letter before he gets his head cut off. You know, when you're getting ready to die, you want people uh, that you love around you, and people were bailing out on Paul. Demas was not a good soldier. How about you? Are you a good soldier? Well, how can you and I be good soldiers? 
How can we live a life where at the end we do hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful slave. Well done, my good and faithful soldier. What does it take to be a good soldier of Christ Jesus? I want to share with you three essential truths that you have to understand, that I have to understand in order to be a good soldier and to fight the good fight of faith and to finish the race and the course that the Lord has given us. Essential truth number one, understand that you don't have what it takes, but the Lord does. You don't have what it takes to be a good soldier. I don't have what it takes to be a good soldier. Timothy sure didn't have what it took to be a good soldier. Paul didn't have what it took to be a good soldier, but the Lord does. Verse 1, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strengthen yourself in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's not in you, it's in him. And we are to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, you mark it down. The Christian life is all about grace and faith. Grace and faith. Those two things are critical in the Christian life. How does a person come to faith in Christ? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace through faith. By God's grace through our putting our faith in God's grace. You know, Jesus said if you have faith just as, as big as a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed that they knew, you don't need much faith. You just need to have faith in God's grace. God has a great big hand of grace. You and I have a puny little hand of faith. But if you put your puny little hand of faith in God's great big hand of grace, what does he do? He pulls you out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay, and he sets your feet on a rock, making your footsteps firm. That's how a person gets saved, by grace through faith. How does a person grow in the Christian life? Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did I receive him? By grace through faith. How do I walk in him? By grace through faith. That is the Christian life. One man described grace this way. He said, what is grace? Grace is the desire and the power to live for the Lord. That is grace. It comes from the Lord. And we can strengthen ourselves in that grace. You're going to have to be strong in the grace to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, how do you do that? We grow strong in grace through prayer and the Word. Those two things are critical to the Christian life, prayer and the Word. Acts chapter 6 is, is the genesis for the first deacons. And the disciples said, it is not uh, advantageous and a good use of our time for us to be uh, serving tables. We need to get some deacons to do that. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Those two things are critical so that we grow in grace. And you know... Sometimes we get the wrong idea about prayer, and prayer can become this, this thing, oh, it's just like, it's like climbing Mount Everest. It's so hard. We talk about praying for an hour. I can't pray for an hour. I have trouble praying for five minutes. How am I going to do this? 
God is not so concerned that you pray through this long list every time you come before him. The Bible says pray without ceasing. We call upon the Lord first thing in the morning, and we just constantly talk to him. We never hang up the line. We're just constantly connected to the Lord. And I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 4 where it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. God knows that you have struggles with sin, that I have struggles with sin, that we have struggles with sin. He sympathizes with us. He says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Not a throne of judgment for the child of God. It's, the throne, it's a throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is grace? It's the desire and the power to live for the Lord. And I come before him with my problems and with my sins, and I confess those sins and say, God, would you give me grace so that I would have the power and the desire to live for you. You, therefore, my son, Paul says to Timothy, be strong. Strengthen yourself in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Essential truth number two. Understand that there will be suffering and hardships. Suffering and hardships. Now you say, why is the Christian life seem to be filled and fraught with suffering? Why does it have to be that way? This is why it is that way. And Paul spent a lot of time in prison. Paul, the greatest Christian who ever lived, arguably the greatest Christian who ever lived, he spent a lot of time in prison. He was beaten for the message that he preached. Why is that? Because the world hates the message of the gospel. You mark it down. The world hates the message of the gospel. You say, no, they don't. I mean, the word gospel, eongelion, means good news. Why would the world hate good news? Because what precedes the good news of the gospel is the bad news that says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, and unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And the world doesn't like that message. They don't like to hear that. The world likes to hear, I'm okay, you're okay. The world likes to hear, God loves you, and God has a wonderful plan for you, and, and uh, you just need to tip your hat toward God every now and then, and everything will be hunky-dory, and, and God has a promotion in store for you, and God has this blessing around the corner for you. That's what the world likes to hear. They don't like to hear that... Uh, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Paul came, and he didn't preach little sermonettes for Christianettes. He preached a powerful message that told people that they needed to repent. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, John 3 is the passage that so many of us know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world should be saved through him. 
says, he who believes is not judged, but he who has not believed is judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And then he goes on to say this in John 3, 19, and this is the judgment that the light, see, Jesus said he's the light of the world. The light is come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. The light goes into the darkness. And if you don't respond to the light, if you say, hey, um, you're, you're showing up my sin here. I don't like this. I, uh, you know, it's like a cockroach. If you shine the light on the cockroach uh, that might be in your kitchen in the middle of the night, you turn on the light. What do they do? They scurry because they want to get out of the light. Well, men are like roaches. They do that too. Now, those who want to be saved, they come to the light and they deal with their sin. Those who don't, they want to put out the light. And that's what they did with Jesus. Jesus exposed all the religious hypocrites. And what did they do? Crucify him, crucify him. They wanted him dead. Hey, the world hates the message of the gospel. And the world will persecute those who stand up for Jesus. That's just the way it is. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Indeed. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. What does it mean to suffer persecution? The word persecution literally means to pursue. They will come after you. Paul's whole ministry, people were coming after him. The Judaizers coming after him. When he would leave a city, what would they do? They would come in behind him. You read the book of Galatians and find out. The Judaizers came in and they tried to tell those people, hey, everything he said was false. You have to be circumcised to be a Christian. You have to follow the law of Moses to be a Christian. And Paul dealt with persecution his whole ministry. Understand and know going in, if you stand up for Jesus, you will get persecuted, and people will come after you, and people won't like it, and they'll try and silence you. We have far too many preachers that are afraid of what people are going to say about them. Who cares what people say about you? The only one that matters is him, what he says about you. So you understand, number one, that you don't have what it takes, but the Lord does. Understand that there will be suffering and hardships, and essential truth number three, understand that your number one job is to please the Lord. That's your number one job. That's my number one job. That was Paul's number one job. That's Timothy's number one job, to please the Lord. He says in verse four, no soldier in active service and we are soldiers in the Lord's army in active service, no soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. You know, we have people that say, I don't like this idea of persecution. I don't like this idea of suffering. So how can I be uh, a Christian and not experience anything like that? Don't stand up, don't speak up, don't shine, don't share. Just be quiet. Try and uh, go under the radar. 
And when everything is falling apart, you just stay in the shadows and you won't experience persecution and you won't experience, well done, my good and faithful soldier. You won't experience the commendation from the Lord. You won't please him. You will displease him. In the book of Esther, Queen Esther, she was told by her family member, Mordecai, who is like a dad to her, this is what's happening. Haman is trying to exterminate the Jews, and he's got the king uh, duped, and the king is on board, and you need to talk to the king. And she said, I can't just go up in front of the king. He has to call for me, and he hasn't called for me, and I can't do that. Uh, that could me, uh, would probably mean my death. And Mordecai said to her, who knows that you have not attained royalty for such a time as this? He said, if you don't do this, then you and your house are going to be swept away. God is going to bring deliverance by someone else. And she received that message, and she said, I will go. Pray for me. I will go, and if I perish, I perish. If I die, then I die. But I'm going to do what is hard to do because I want to please the one who enlisted me as a soldier. I want to please my king. I want to do what he has called me to do. Hey, your number one job is to please the Lord. My number one job, to please the Lord. And we please the Lord when he is our passion in life. When he is our passion in life. Hey, the number one commandment, when Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment, is to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. That is number one. He is the passion of your heart and of your life. I love Jesus. And the number one commandment on the two tablets of stone, I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Egypt you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods alongside of me. It's just me, and I am the passion and the love and the focus of your life. So we please him when he's our passion. Secondly, we please him when his kingdom is our priority. When we're interested in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek him first and foremost. Hey, we please the Lord when, when hey, his kingdom takes priority, and we care about his kingdom. Now, we see this in chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul tells Timothy and the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hey, Timothy, you heard me preach, and you heard those words, and they were entrusted to you, and you've been given a treasure of the gospel, and you need to entrust those to faithful men who can take it and entrust it to other faithful men and pass the baton of faith along to the next generation. Hey, we please the Lord when we do that. And I want to challenge you, you who have been a Christian for a long time, you who have grown in the Lord, find somebody younger in the Lord that you can pour your life into, 
that you can help them grow, that you can show them this is how we study the Bible, this is how we pray, this is how we witness, this is how we handle difficult situations. You know, Jesus preached to the masses, but then he spent time with the disciples. And they did life together, and they saw him in all these different situations and and how he did this and how he did that and how he handled this difficulty and how he handled that difficulty. When I was in college, and college is a good place for discipleship because you're doing life with guys you're living with and, and guys you're rubbing shoulders with on a regular basis. I remember, you know, they were asking me about witnessing. I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure I know how to do that. It's like, well, listen. Here's the four spiritual laws. Memorize this track, and then we're going to go out and we're going to share, and I'm going to show you how to do it. And my friend Sean said, I'm going to show you how to do this. And we went out, and he did, and I watched how he did it. How does he share his faith with a total stranger? And I watched him. He's like, man, you're really good at that. He said, yeah, this next one, you do it. Wasn't quite ready for that, you know? But that's how you learn, and he's there. He was a safety net to help me. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hey, we please the Lord when his kingdom is our priority and we're doing everything we can to further the kingdom and win as many people as we can and train up as many people as we can for the kingdom of God. And then we please the Lord when we walk by faith and not fear. A good soldier doesn't flee in fear. When the battle gets hot and heavy, a good soldier doesn't turn tail and run. He stands and he fights. And Paul told Timothy twice, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul said he fought the good fight of faith. Chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've run the race. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. We live in a world today where lots of people are afraid. They fear man more than they fear God. Fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. Paul had to remind Timothy in chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Hey, if you're fearful in your heart, just know that's not coming from the Lord. That's coming from the enemy. And we have an adversary, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But the Bible says resist him firm in your faith. Don't run away. Stand up to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, it says in James chapter 4. We don't need to be afraid. David said, when I am afraid, Psalm 56 verse 3, when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man, mere man, do to me? God is with me, as Jeremiah said. The Lord is with me like a dread champion. Everywhere you go, the dread champion is there with you. And nothing can happen to you and no one can hurt you unless he allows that to happen. 
And even Paul, as he's getting ready to die, he says in chapter 4, the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory. My friend, are you a soldier in the Lord's army? Have you ever received Christ as Savior and Lord? If not, today is the day for you. Just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I can't save myself. But Jesus, I believe you are God in the flesh. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me of all my sins, make me the person you want me to be. I surrender my all to you. My friend, if you'll pray that kind of prayer and mean it, the Lord will come in and your life will never be the same. I'd love to hear from you, to know that you're watching, to know that this program is making a difference in your life, to know that you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Please take the time to call that toll-free number, write me, email me, let me know what's going on and how we can pray for you. You really are important to God, and you're important to us, and we're here for you. Today's message is available in multiple formats when you call 877-777-6171 or go to fromhisheart.org. There's a spiritual battle raging all around us. And there's a desperate need for disciplined and courageous soldiers to combat the enemy and make a lasting impact on the world for Jesus Christ. Paul told young Timothy, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. You see, the moment you become a Christian is the moment you become a soldier in the Lord's army. And God is looking for us to be good and faithful soldiers soldiers who stand up for Jesus and speak the truth in love. That's what my new seven-message series can help you do. I believe that the Soldiers of the Cross series and the companion booklet, The Lord's Army, will provide you the encouragement and plan needed to fight the good fight of faith and successfully finish the race that the Lord has given each of us to run. This series, along with the companion booklet, are my thanks for your support to From His Heart this month. Hey, start out 2023 with the discipline and courage needed for the fight. Become the bold and faithful soldier of the cross that God wants you to be. And thank you for helping us share real truth, real love, and real hope around the world each day. God bless you. From His Heart is the viewer-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve, who believes that no matter how badly you may have messed up in life, God still loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You can find out more at fromhisheart.org. Real truth.